Even when something is in a nonsense language, there can be poetry to it. I love that band so much. Oh, so, so much. Cocteau Twins to kick off episode 353 of The Brian Oak Show here in the Smart Start MN Studios. Good morning or afternoon or whenever you happen to be listening. Who knows? Maybe at this point we'll have drifted away from the sun and it's a permanent night. Nobody knows. <laughs> Sorry. I, again, as I explained to you, that's Sean Bernard, yeah. by the way. Hi, Sean. I hey. woke up. I slept through both my alarms, and I barely got here on time, and I feel like I was hit by a tranquilizer dart at some point last night, which is clear evidence of alien abduction, and I'm just starting to come back around. Or are you? Or is this really Brian? Or is it some, were you abducted? Is I, this a is this a, a dream? replica? Am I still sleeping right now? Anything Entirely is possible. possible. Yeah, no. I'm excited about today's show because we are going to talk to a published poet and clearly a gentle and thoughtful soul, and I'm looking forward to it very much. But before we get there, let's take care of the cold, ruthless nature of business. Smart Start MN is Minnesota's original ignition interlock company, and they signed on to this podcast some 353 episodes ago before they ever heard a single edition. Why? Because they're cool guys, because they're a really important part of the community, and they believe in music. They're both giant music heads, and I'm not, I mean, I'm talking about the two main guys, Mike and Ed, yeah. right? But obviously they have a whole team that works with them, but they do really good work, and they help you, and they're decent, and they wouldn't be here if they weren't worthwhile, and vice versa, right? So uh, what do they do, Sean? Well, if you or someone you know happens to get a DUI... Terrible idea, but it happens. Yes, it seems like the alcohol tends to cloud people's judgment, and, <laughs> and that happens from time to time. But uh, they call. they decided that although it's a it's one of those situations where you're guilty until you're proven innocent in that case, uh, you will lose your license. It's going to happen. But they created a thing called the Ignition Interlock System, so you can still get to your job, take your kids to their boomerang lessons, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and we can save you a little bit of extra money. Go to smartstartmn.com slash the Brian Oak Show. That'll get you 20% off the installation of the ignition interlock. It's a shame how few kids are really into boomerang these days. Everyone's going javelin. I know. Like, yeah, you know, spears. But I mean, like boomerang, there's a real art to it. There is. They're just, I think they it's just. like playing billiards, man. I mean, yeah. you got to understand the angles. That's the whole bit. They all want to play their Atari and Nintendo. Tell me about it. Scott McKay, the mortgage guy at Edge Home Finance, is also a our most recent sponsor here on the show. And what does he do, Sean? Because you're a realtor. You would know way better than I. Well, you know, most people don't buy mortgages. They buy homes. They don't Correct. really want to think about the whole mortgage process. Oh, man, when and- I sat down at the closing to buy the house that I currently live in, <clears throat> they were throwing around figures that were so ludicrous. I'm like, I'm not in the top 1%. I, I can't... What do you mean $750,000 by the time it matures? I don't have that kind of money. So you need people that know what the hell they're talking about when it comes to this stuff. Yeah, and part of the reason why we chose Scott as a partner of this show is he's got a really big heart. He's also a big music fan, and he's not the type of guy that's going to shame you if you can't afford a big, you know, palatial estate. Mm. He's, He's done a ton of work with people who are getting into their first homes, and sometimes just barely. So... We love the fact that we're working with somebody that is kind and compassionate and a really, really decent guy. His NMLS number is 332068. I should say that there's a buy-down program right now. Everybody's concerned about the interest rates, although some of us who have been around the planet for years realize that 
These interest rates are nothing like they were in the 70s and the 80s for people that bought homes at the 12 to 20 percent uh, interest rate mm-hmm. uh, level. It was a little a little nutty, but there's a buy down program where you can ask the seller to actually contribute towards uh, that rate buy down over the first uh, few years of the loan. Give Scott McKay, the mortgage guy, a call. You can reach him at 612-875-4338. And you already put his registration number in there, correct? I already did. All yeah, right, his, very good. Uh, I just, numbers, the, the, the legalities of certain things are so odd to me. Like, we have to mention his Android number, and then we can move along. And that's exactly what we're going to do. Today, I'm excited because um, we've had such a wide variety of guests on this particular podcast, really. I mean, like entrepreneurs, musicians, obviously, first and foremost, creatives, filmmakers, everybody. I don't know that we've had, we've certainly had authors on before, yes. but I don't know that we've had a published poet on before. No, and not, not only that, but in my opinion, one of the best in the state. Fabulous. Yeah. I like yeah. that story very yeah. much. Yeah. I'm looking forward to getting to know Florence Stacy a little better. Uh, and we're going to talk to her just ahead. And I was trying to think, you know, poetry, it can't really be separated from theater. It can't really be separated from song. Some people just tell stories. Other people take a much more... I don't know, sort of a bleak approach to it, right? Their choice of words and what they decide to do. And then I thought, well, I'm just going to go obvious. I'm going to go with my favorite artist of all time, off my second favorite album of all time, Hunky Dory, David Bowie, eight-line poem.
Not bad, man. No. I, I'm telling you, Hunky Dory is a record. Wow. It's right before he turned into Ziggy Stardust and the mm. Spiders from Mars, right? He had yet to find that defining persona that would, frankly, define glam rock for the first half of the 70s. But he was trying everything on that record, and some of it's very low-key and understated, and other parts of it are some of the wildest rock and roll you've ever heard. Absolutely my all-time favorite, David Bowie. I'm very much looking forward to talking to our guest. Florence Dacey is a poet. Um, let's start here. Hi, Florence. How are you? Good. Happy to be here. I'm, we're very, very glad to have you. Now, we're about to learn much more about you and the work that you do, and we're going to hear you do some of your work, but I have two important questions for you. The book I'm holding in my hand right now is called The Mercy of Stone, and I think most people would probably consider stone relatively merciless in terms of how it interacts with our bodies and our lives. What does the mercy of stone mean? Oh, darn. <laughs> well, it can kind of mean what you want it to mean. And I think if you read the book, yeah, you'll see how I amplify that idea. Uh, there's stones throughout the book and the okay. poems. Um, I guess I think of stone, it's, we, you know, typically we think of stone as being difficult, hard things. Mm-hmm. And I guess the idea one of the ideas in the title is that um, there's good things about that, you know, for us. Interesting. The other question then, before we really get to know who you are, Florence, is do you remember when you found out that you could conjure spells with words? Do you remember when you fell in love with doing what you've done for so very long? Well, I think it was early adolescence, mm-hmm. I, but I came from a family that loved education and reading and language. My mother um, went to journalism school for a while in Northwestern, and my dad was a thespian in high school and used to quote Shakespeare around the supper table. Um, there were five of us kids, so we had a very lively, we had a very lively um, experience growing up. I grew up Catholic, so I think that. Wait really, a minute! Are you telling me there are three Irish Catholics in this yeah, room right now, or at least former? Well, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, I'm in, not a in varying degrees. Neither am I, but I yeah. mean, just you know, yeah. You, it, you, as soon as someone tells me they grew up Catholic, I'm like, oh, I did the Stations of the Cross. I went to CCD. I got it. I know how it works. Yeah, and it's such a rich experience for somebody who's interested in language. I think, and the music. All of that played into it. So I think I published my first poem when I was in high school. Published? Well, it was, I, I entered it in the contest. I, was, I took Latin for four years because in those days, if yeah. you were going to college, you had to take four years of Latin in high school. Wow. And we had this great Latin teacher, Cornelia Roberts. And um, she had us enter this contest. So I wrote a poem about Achilles. And was it written in Latin? All, no. Okay, good. No, I, <laughs> otherwise, otherwise I'll, I would no, never no, be no. able that to read it. Did not happen. Yeah. But anyway, so that was a validation of it. I was, I was, I'm an introvert, basically, and um, I grew up having a lot of big feelings and was looking for a place to express that. And words were that 
you know, and poetry became that place for me. Instead of turning to a life of crime, apparently Florence had the good sense to sit down and let her feelings out on paper, which I think is by far the better choice. Sean, you are the one who has brought Florence to the, the podcast today. How do you two know each other? Well, I first met her son, Austin, uh, back in 1992, uh, and he brought me over, I think probably within a week or two, he brought me over to uh, the Daisy house where Florence uh, had, had raised her three children, and I fi- immediately felt welcome and accepted, mm-hmm. and it's just a very loving energy and environment about that home. Lots of music, lots of dance parties in that living room. We'd throw records on uh, in the living room and have you lots. You don't say. Lots and lots of, yeah, very little TV watching in that household. It was mostly music and conversation, which I absolutely loved. Again, this seems seems like the right decisions. Yeah. Yeah. So Florence and I became very close friends. It's interesting how you, you meet the kids and then the parents come along and I don't know about you, but there are some parents who just kind of avoid you and do their nice little cordial greetings. But Florence looked me directly in the eyes and asked me about me and it was just overwhelming. And I just, I'm going to just say this out loud. I absolutely love her. I love who she is. I love her life story. Uh, she's a, a feminist. She's a warm-hearted human being. She's a, a peace-loving person as well and has done so much incredible work with Heart of the Beast, with so many other things, to live that out, to live out this life of trying to do what's right and to share uh, things like nature. I credit Florence with several things in my life, and one is... is learning to love nature. Uh, she would bring me out to different places down to Pipestone and up to the Yellow Medicine River and and would walk through nature with me and get me to slow down. As you know, Brian, I get a little bit high strung not from you. time to time. But not you. So not to go on and on, but I I just felt it was important to stop down for a second and say how much you mean to me, Florence, and how much your family means to me and how you have changed my life. And I'm so thankful for you. Now so, who's going to cry yeah, on the I know, podcast? I, I love it. I'm trying not to. Well, I just, I'm, I'm so glad. The, I'm not the first cry. So just to, just to put a bow on this, my wife and I went to see her um, do her readings uh, of several of the poems uh, a couple of Saturdays ago. Mm-hmm. And I just was so, so, so was my wife. We were both in tears yeah. uh, listening to these poems. And, and they're so personal. Um, you're absolutely a writer who writes from truth and your your own feelings so yeah so that's kind of the that's the synopsis of why she's here and why she means so much to my family and me and and so why yeah. don't you go get yourself a kleenex and clean yourself <laughs> up a little bit um because poetry is supposed to move people right i mean like we're obviously all big music heads in here and music is sort of my main draw and that's what i thought this podcast was about but people approach food in a certain way right if they're a chef they approach painting in a certain way if they are an artist in that regard and so words are no less powerful and i think we all understand them i happen to believe that words are an impossible gift i like the thing i like about the clumsiness of the english language is there are words that are so specific you can actually try to even though it's way more effort than people will put into listening to those words, you can say exactly what you're trying to say. But I do think that grammar is a prison. I hate it. So for that reason, I love poetry. Florence, where are you from? I was born in Illinois. All right, very so good. So I'm a mid- Midwesterner. That, well, you're a Northerner. That's the way the game works. What, when did you find your way to Minnesota? Well, let's see. 
After I graduated from college, I was in the Peace Corps for two years in Nigeria. And then when we came well, back, I was... let's not bury that lead. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang <laughs> just, on. Just, you know, just I, a quick I, job. I was in Nigeria for two years. Now, joining the Peace Corps, my mom was in the domestic version called Vista, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but she was not in Nigeria. She was out in Washington State. You joined the Peace Corps because why? I'm an idealist. All right. I like Believe idealism. John Kennedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. then they tell, so do you get to pick where you go or do they just say, you're going to Nigeria? Gosh, I don't even remember. Yeah. Okay. Well, then what, what was <laughs> it? It was meant to be somehow. It was a long somehow. time ago. What, what was the culture shock like? I mean, like what, what things, oh. I mean, it must have been pretty radical compared to living in Illinois. It was. It was. It was really good. It was an eye opener. It was a, you know, just. A very important experience in my life. I've been told the death of racism and prejudice by none other than uh, Samuel Longhorn Clemens is travel. And it it changes everything, doesn't it? It does. I can remember coming back to the States after being in Nigeria and just being in shock about... I think I would would walk into like a, a shop a clothing shop or something and I just got felt kind of nauseated because there was just so much uh-huh. yeah. so much stuff gross yeah excessive yeah I want to talk to you about nature because uh, Sean's brought it up to me no less than three times now and nature matters to me I've spent a great deal of my time outdoors in my life and I want to talk to you about that coming up I also want to get to your first song but before we do that you are in fact a poet would you mind reading us something I was going to read something that would go with the first song. Oh, fine. That's great. That, and you know what? And once this is over, let's go right into the song. Just make sure you're right up here, okay? Okay. Um, this is a wedding poem that I that I wrote for Brooke and Sean. <gasps> oh, I didn't know she was going to do this. <laughs> Surprise. I thought maybe you could get Brooke to listen. Oh, she will. This might be her first time, but yeah, <laughs> <Okay>. she will. <laughs> the Waterfall. Let us begin with the waterfall, tumbling, the two of you swaying in time to the rhythm of love, rock, precipitous wishes, both of you certain of why you plunged somehow from the first drops of life, through chance and fate, to each other's roaring curve. Today, your histories, all of us in them, shift as the land embracing the waterfall seems to shift when we stare hard at that gorgeous descent. With your lives hastening together with such lovely courage, mustn't we all release any dryness of soul, any slowness to trust? Sean and Brooke, may your union play in sun and in storm, with splash and spray and silver-tongued words, liquid acts, rushing away to return, bearing hearts washed clean again. May you too, beloved, follow love down, Grateful to be splendidly undone. That is a blessing, a gift we offer. Like the pearls of a great cascade, may your joys be uncountable, your stories many, yet simply one. May your love be mystical, common, audacious, a landmark, any tears a path to a compassionate sea. May the surging spirit of boundless water of your deepening love together Carry you safely, sacred, faithful, free. Oh, <laughs> sorry, I, I can't speak right now, Brian, I can't. 
Ooh. That was that was uh, read at our wedding, and was just an incredible gift that hangs in our hallway. Now I don't know if you know that Florence that hangs up in our hallway, and so we can walk by and see it every single day. It just meant so much to us, and it was so personal and so thoughtful. And almost, well, twenty nine years later, we're still together and still, you know, working through everything that happens in that poem. So, but still in love with each other after all these years. So, and that comes from being loved by people like you who support us. All right. So I'm going to play the song now. Honest to God. We said we were going to go right into yeah, the here song. Here we go. Sorry. Thank you. 
Rest in peace, Sinead O'Connor. Um, growing up in the choral tradition, I've been in choir for many, many, many moons. Um, went to Allstate Choir. My now ex-wife um, has been a choral instructor for the 30-plus years we've known one another. Uh, that was freaking gorgeous. That was amazing, Florence. Why do you like that song? Well, uh, it's a it's a favorite because it was at play that my or sung at my daughter's wedding. Really? Yeah. Was that was in our house in Cottonwood? Yeah. And Sean, you you sang on the other. Did you sing on Wild Rover or? I think I sang on Wild Rover. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then the rest of the night we just played music all night long, like with the guitars and. See, I figured if Sean was going to be there, he'd sing something like Back in Black by ACDC or something. Well, I wanted to do that, and I asked a number of times, but <laughs> we kept it to some more traditional music. Before we continue with Florence, let's go ahead and talk to Sean here, because I'm worried that he is going to literally be crying so hard later that he won't be able to actually tell me about what he does as a realtor for Remax Results. We are, I, I, I just stepped outside very briefly, and the, although the sun is out for the first time in what seems like a month uh it's obviously changing out there it's a little cooler although it's going to be mild over the next few days weeks whatever but you know you hear the wind hustling through the trees and you hear the leaves skittering across the ground like some kind of weird little rodents and you you know you realize that times are changing the seasons are important but it also has real world impact especially when it comes to something like you do which is realty yeah i sell rectangles no, hopefully you sell delicious boxes. Actually, I have a friend who years ago said, you know, we basically just live in boxes. I was like, wow. But I- it's what you do in those boxes. So like I said about Florence, Florence Stacy's home uh, in Cottonwood, Minnesota, it just had this warmth and this love. And that's what I always hope for people when I help them buy that particular home. I also help counsel people when they have to sell that home that they've been in for many, many, many years. And it is traumatic mm. most of the time. It's really hard it's for people to leave those It's a major change. And at that point in your homes. life, you're not ready for change. You're used yeah. to the routine. Yeah, and in some cases, it's helping people and their parents that need to move to a maybe a one-level living situation or that sort of thing. And, and so I'm always thankful and grateful when I uh, am asked to help with those particular things. I also donate a portion of every buy and sell to an area musician or band. You get to pick the musician or band. You might say you want to donate to a poet instead, and we can do that as well. It's totally What about to a you. dancer? Uh, no dancers. No. I will oh. not ever support uh, dance. You know how I feel about dance, Brian. I do. I do. I'm sorry. Of course, we'll, of course we'll help the dancers as well. But uh, if you don't know of somebody that you want to donate to, I have a long list of musicians and uh, folks that have said, I'd be happy to take that donation. Call me at 612-859-2594 if you know someone that's looking to buy or sell a home. I don't know which line there I liked better, uh, whether it was, you know how I feel about dancers or <laughs> it's what you do in those boxes. But what's nice, though, is to get outside of the box, like even stepping out 30 seconds just now and feeling the sun on my face and listening to the wind. And it's nice to get outside. And I don't I realize very often that I don't do it enough because it was so so much a part of my youth. Right. Getting outside. Why is it that nature draws you in Florence? And I realize that's too big a question and too, the spectrum is impossible right there. But what, when you go outside, what are you looking for? I'm looking for beauty. Mm-hmm. I'm looking for comfort. 
I find the human world can be so cruel. And I think this, as a child, I was, for some reason, very sensitive to that. So it was a refuge for me. Um, and is this simply going to a park? Is this disappearing into a deep national forest? Is this going to a mountain range? What form did it take for you early on? Well, it was the backyard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but that still matters, right? Oh, yes. Yeah, absolutely. We had hollyhocks. We had, well, we moved by a lake when I was eight. So we lived on a lake, so that was really important. Lovely. Connection with water. So are you a swimmer as well? Well, I'm not sure you can call it that anymore. Because <laughs> <laughs> I just, I'm, arth- I'm quite arthritic. And so, but I get in the water and that's where I feel at home. Yeah. There's a lovely poem in your book about your father rowing along with you swimming. Yes. And it's absolutely gorgeous. And her father did not know how to swim. Right. Which is crazy that he was rowing along, keeping watch of his water as she swam in the lake. It was a very small lake, so we could swim across it. So I would do that, but he would come along in the rowboat. Wild. Yeah. That's amazing. What was the name of the lake, if you don't mind my asking? It was Gray's Lake. Gray's Lake? Yeah, the town's named after All right. Or the lake's named after the town. I don't know. But anyway. <laughs> yeah. See, growing up, um, I was in Boy Scouts, and I know a lot of people think, oh, it's a paramilitary organization, might as well be a brown shirt, nothing like that. It was it was a way to make arts and crafts. It was a way, and my, I was a member of a troop that went camping once a month, or once every other month, all around the year. So I would routinely be doing winter camping, you know, and I love it. I, and so that led to a lifelong obsession. My father was an outdoorsman and he would go off every summer with his buddies and climb the Grand Tetons. And so he would also take us kids up to the Boundary Waters. And I mean, you're not just in your backyard at that point. You are out there. You are a long, long way from home. And it's thrilling. It's wondrous. I mean, the the gentle repetition of the lake lapping against the stones outside your campsite, the wind, you'd wake up sometimes in the cold and the fog would be blowing through the trees. And there's, there's nothing, there's nothing else like it. And I don't think that that, I don't think that gets emphasized enough anymore. Well, you could write a poem about it. <laughs> Here's the thing. You're very articulate. Yeah, the, yes, no, no, I, is, I'm, yeah. I'm good when I don't think about it. But then if I sit down and try, I've tried to write before. People are like, you should really write. And I'm like, I'm a terrible writer. I'm going to be honest, Florence. I'm not a good writer. But I do, I, you know, I gotta, I gotta, I'm a little flippant when I talk. But that's because there's nothing at stake. And it comes and it goes. And it's over after that. You write things down. And it's there in perpetuity. Yeah, that's kind of scary. Well, how, but I mean, like, how, so how do you know? How much like I ask musicians or anybody who does any sort of artistic endeavor? To me, the fascinating part is when do you know that you're done? Like you've written a poem, and you know you're like, okay, and then it's going to go get published. Which you, I'm looking at your book, Mercy of Stone, right here. How do you know the poem is finished? Well, I'm sure musicians have told you and other writers too that it's never really finished. You yeah. can always monkey around with it. And and there are things I would change in that book. You know, like, I, I guess that's my point. It's yeah. like, you know, whether you're a musician who's going into the studio to record an album or you are an author who is going to write something and have it published, you'll go back later and be like, Oh, that line could have been this line or that but it's done. But at some point you have to let it go. At some point it's no longer just yours, right? Correct. And there are some poems that just come 
they come whole, you know, and they, and and they drop out of the sky. And yeah, you got and, them. and that's done. It's done. But that that happens very rarely. But I so there you you go back and forth. There have been times where you've been gifted this incredible thought, and it just falls together. And then there are other times where you have to Frankenstein something together over. I imagine in some cases years. Oh yes, years, and it's scary. I think it's scary to put work out. Yeah. Um, because you're very vulnerable. Yeah. And, you know, you just don't know how people are going to take it. There are some poems in there that I think are very difficult and written sort of under duress about pain, about the planet and what we do to each other. Um, Why is that important to you to tell that story if you feel like you're under duress? Do I feel like, well, I feel like we're all under duress. Yes. No, no, yeah. we, we are, but you said some of these yeah. are written under duress. I want to know, because it would be easy to be like, that's too painful. I'm not telling that story. Why is it important to you to tell those stories? It's important because um, I feel that a lot of people don't pay attention to what's going on. And... I don't know why why do we need to express whatever thinking and feeling? I mean, you do it you do it with your shows every, every damn day. Yeah, every, <laughs> every damn day. day. <laughs> because the, I to me, if you don't who oh, who wrote it? That whole thing about not going quietly into that dark night. Rage rage against do the not, dying of the Dylan light. Dylan Thomas. Yeah, Dylan Thomas, thank do you. Not go gentle into that good night. That's literally always sitting in the back of my head. Like, you could just lay down. You could capitulate. You could roll over. But no way. no way. And also, Florence is doing a weird thing to me right now where she's making me not swear. And she's not doing it intentionally. But I, I love to use swearing, not swearing at people, but I like to use it for punctuation. Um, and I don't, I look at your lovely sweet face and those blue <laughs> eyes and i i can't drop the f-bomb so i'm not going to would you mind reading us another poem um okay you pick well dealer's choice i'm i'm gonna read one about the weather um it's about nature and i understand that you like the winter very much yeah. so it it's in here along with other things you know i lived down in southwest minnesota in cottonwood for over 40 years. And the weather out there is very dramatic. And I love that. Mm -hmm. You know, it kind of mirrors for me. It's like when I go up to um, the lake, the big lake, <laughs> and a storm is coming up or something. Um, it's I feel like it kind of matches the depth and strength of my own feelings at times. And I feel that way about the dramatic weather. Out in southwest Minnesota, I'm trying to... <laughs> It's called Prairie Weather. Winter storms are fierce, pulling us away from meager mind. Snow catapults under our doors and corrals cars into single lanes. Wind sprouts white talons. It throws up partitions between us and the landmarks we live by. Blizzards pull us down into fitful isolation. We peer befuddled out of small islands, breathe onto frosty window panes. When it clears a bit, we hurry to town for bread and milk. In early summer, the air grows heavy and pulses like an artery ready to burst. Ahead of one tornado, tufted layers of gray clouds scout silently, going too fast and packed to the limit. 
The twister roars over that hill down into the river valley. One old man dies under his pickup. Broken off trees by the road keep the history fresh in our album of fears. In between, rare floods sometimes accompany spring blizzards. Old and young filled sandbags together. The talk is easy, the topic set. The river has its way a while, gives misery a muddy suit, takes back some land we thought we owned. When the great storms begin, I stand in my backyard prairie circle garden. I gauge, and if I must, call for some mercy. But usually I call in silence, an inward exhilaration for the storm, in guilt and horror at human folly, in rage and in wonder at all our power. I call and call to be confounded by such weather.
I Wish I Knew How It Would Feel to Be Free by Nina Simone on The Brian Oak Show. Nina Simone, to me, and I'm so glad you chose that, is uh, a singular individual. You know, you've got your Arethas, you've got your Dion's, you've got so many other artists of that ilk. But Nina Simone occupied this sort of edgy, dangerous territory with some of her material and her style. She was never a gigantic superstar, certainly not in white America, but she was an important figure in American music. And I think, I think she's absolutely crucial. Crucial. Why do you like Nina Simone? Well, I have to confess, I haven't listened to her a lot. That's fine. Yeah. But I, there's no shame in I that first, game. I first heard this song, um, in the, with the Derek trucks band. And then when I was getting ready to come on the show, yeah. I was looking around for different versions of right. it and so on. Um, you literally only played the Nina Simone version for me, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> I know you did. I know you did because I can tell well, it's in it's your great. eyes and it's it in your great, heart. Yeah. It's, it's oh, great. It's yeah. great. Well, that was a very, very kind gift. I appreciate it on this Thursday morning right now. We're talking to Florence Dacey, who is a published poet. You have how many volumes have you published in your time? This is the fifth one. The fifth there are a one. couple of them are smaller collections, but all right. Yeah. Where can people find the book? Well, they they can go to the website of the publisher, which okay. is midwestvillages.com. Okay. And they can order it through that. If they want a signed copy, they can go to my website and contact me. And what is your website? Florencedacy.com. It's, it's not like D A C E Y and Right. Yeah. Not like Florencedacyrocks.com or anything like that. No. Stones, maybe stones. <laughs> FlorenceDacy.com. That's Florence, the standard spelling, D-A-C-E-Y.com, and they can learn more there. I mean, because you do go out and read. If people would like to come and see you, do you, That I imagine those dates will be listed there, yeah? Yes, they would be on my website. Yeah, All right. Very, sure. very good. Um, I don't know if you are a believer in happenstance or fate, or maybe you're more of a synchronicity type where there's an overlying lattice of coincidence that defines all things and makes our lives collide in certain different ways. But I flipped open your book for the first time ever because I do not own a copy of this book. I thought Sean was giving me this copy, but he made it very clear that this was his copy. Florence, well, she yeah, said she brought you a copy. You. That's yeah. lovely. I appreciate that very much. And it's called The Mercy of Stone. And I've got some reading to do, but I opened it up and I... I don't know that I believe in fate or happenstance or any of that sort of, you know, unavoidable nonsense, but I do like how weird little things happen in these bizarre lives that we lead. And I opened it up to a page. It's a very short poem. Can I read one of your poems? Of course. So you spoke about how I love winter, and I do. It's not by any means my favorite, but I don't fear it like many Minnesotans do. A lot of Minnesotans are like, I've got to get out of this place. I think it's lovely, and this poem speaks to a time of year that I love, whether there are 12 feet of snow on the ground or there's barely a dusting, but the darkest days of the year, midwinter, and it is, it, it's a magical time of year for me. Yeah, the sun is down at 345, too bad, you know what, you could stick around, it's going to get better. That's what makes spring so good. This is a poem by Florence Stacy called Midwinter. It's the sleepwalking time of year when the body comes undone and wanders on without you. Creaking and moaning, frosty and stiff, it ricochets off the days and spends its nights with wild fox and deer, soulful still in the blistering cold. 
We forget cold can heal. We forget what the body knows when it steps out into the darkness and forgets us. That's freaking awesome, man. <laughs> that's, that, I, that's good. You've, you've won awards for your poetry. I, I, well, I mean, you know, you've been, okay, let's say you've been recognized for your yes. poetry then, all right? That's got to feel good, right? I mean, like, you you spent so much time dancing with these words over your entire life, so to have other people recognize that what you do has an impact, it's got to feel good, right? You can take a little credit, right? Look at that, way too humble. There's that Catholic girl it's right a, there. That's just what I was going to say. That's, yeah. that's a sin, isn't it? Yeah. It's yeah. pride. No, again, I'm not talking about pride, but it's okay to feel some satisfaction knowing that the work you've done has had a positive impact, that it goes places, that it that it informs and nourishes people in certain ways. Yes, that's very satisfying. All right. And I'd like to bring you along to my readings so you can read. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wouldn't you love to have Brian's voice on just about everything? Yeah, it's just trust great. me, it gets real tedious. Sarah. I, you, <laughs> you think you think I'd love the sound of my own voice? And the only reason I read that is because the poem hit me so hard. It was the very first one I looked at in your book. Um, there are hundreds of poems yes. in your book, and you have written probably my guess would be thousands of poems in your life. How many of them are sitting on the cutting room floor, or how many of them are still waiting? in binders or on a computer file how much of what you've created is not yet out there well i wish i knew the answer to that yeah. <laughs> okay, roughly you, you can go ahead and get because ball i just have ballpark yeah, yeah i mean i have hundreds of poems do you write every day um it depends i write i journal a lot mm -hmm. i've journaled since i was a kid and i use that as a source book for the poems frequently so I don't forget things. Um, I've been very busy grandparenting, and then when the is that when awesome? The, by the way, how old are your or how old are your oh, grandkids? Twelve, almost twelve and eight. But it's still yeah. great, right? Oh my gosh! Yeah, it's the best. Nothing like it. Best thing in the world. They're I love both, that. They're both whoa, 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 forces, whoa, whoa, whoa. too. You, I mean, you have children, right? Okay, so don't say it's the best thing in the world. Otherwise, oh. the kids are going to be like, "What do you mean, best thing in the world, mom?" <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, I love my kids. I mean, yeah, yeah the family is just crucial. It's crucial. Yeah, it's crucial. It's the foundation, right? It's the foundation. Yeah. And there are a lot of poems in there about family. Um, but I have, um, I don't know, when, the, when, the, uh, when COVID hit, you know, a lot of people wrote during that time, but I found it very difficult. I was so anxious. Mm. And also I was doing a lot of taking care of the kids a lot because there weren't, you know, they couldn't go to school and things like that. And then I was working on this book, and that was taking up a lot of my energy. But I've, I noticed that last month I wrote about 10, a dozen poems, maybe. So that's pretty good. How many of them are good? <laughs> no, you got to get more than that to really get a good one. I, I, only, I only ask because, you know, artists are like, oh, I wrote all these songs. And, and so I always throw that out sort of jokey, but also because an artist is never entirely happy with what they've done. They know they're on to something they know that there's a nugget a nucleus in there somewhere but they don't I, I i find that almost every artist i've ever met is never entirely happy with the finished product yes i think that's true okay very I, good i know you well enough to know florence that the accolades probably don't mean a whole lot but when you do a reading like you did a couple saturdays ago and the room is filled with people that are sitting forward and paying attention and that you know love you that that has to be incredibly validating yeah i really do like it yeah yeah i mean <laughs> yeah. i have an ego <laughs> yeah. you have to have an ego and 
and performing and reading the poetry is really satisfying and important to me. Is and, it ever scary? Do you, I mean, do you get butterflies? Oh, God, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's important, though, right? It means you're doing the right thing. Like, you should always be a little you shouldn't always be a little nervous i'm not wishing anxiety on anybody but when you get up to do the thing that you have spent so much time crafting and creating if if you don't feel some sense of anticipation or a little bit of that tingle then it's probably not dangerous or interesting to anybody else either right i mean you've got to bring that to the table absolutely yeah, you got to bring it all. Okay, well, good. I hope you brought it all because it's time before we say goodbye for one more poem by Florence Stacy. You ready? Um, you can flip through. You can take your time. Yeah, absolutely. Don't screw this up, Florence. <laughs> nice. I couldn't help it, man. Look, we're all a bunch of Irish Catholics, right? And so yeah. there is there's guilt. We're not allowed to have anything nice. We're not allowed to feel satisfaction. We're not allowed to be creative or to think outside the box. And I'm glad to know that each of us, to a person, has cast off that yoke. Mostly. <laughs> the, the indelible mark. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Your soul. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Uh, Florence Stacy, uh, a published poet, award winner, highly regarded in our upper Midwestern community here, uh, is going to share another one of her poems with us. Okay, this is from the last section in the book, which is about aging and kind of reflection about life. And it's called Certainly. Once I was a girl who lived well enough in the damage, had words for it like the spinning, worried it like death's broken nails worry our brains when we're 60. Once I believed the colors were my sisters and you could breaststroke right through your parents' silences. Those days, we held each other's comments and pranced like midnight steed. Clearly, the heart was a tree. One knew nothing but hearts then. Steps were always taking us home to potatoes, corsages, the first tragedies. Words were never the same after that time when they were feet and eyes and rain coming at you. Our lives were thick as honey. We read, we suffered, we rode out in a sea of water lilies, kept the anguishes secure enough but knew certainly all would embrace at last and the table be laden. We sang all summer to our lake to the sounds you must swim in ever after. Go ahead, Sean. I got nothing, man. I'm I'm, I'm still swimming in that right there. (laughs) Someone asked me the other day, what do you miss? And I said, I miss... Fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) And the last couple lines hit me there. I said, I miss smelling like lake water. I used to swim all the time growing up, and I never make time for it anymore. I miss it. That was a good poem, Florence. Thanks. (laughs) Damn it, Sean, why did you do this to me? I blame you. Well, as Florence said when I was crying uh, a couple Saturdays ago, she said, it's good. It's good that you're crying. It is. So good to release that and to let it go. And so many men are so afraid to let that happen, and it comes out an awful terrible other ways when they don't release it it's a safety valve it's like the spit valve on the bottom of a trumpet you've got to let that out of there otherwise can you imagine a trumpet full of spit i mean i would have said it differently i think than the spit (laughs) valve of a trumpet but you know (laughs) i gotta say this i I want to say this before before i forget i want to say this that 
Another thing that Florence did, you know, how, uh, Brian, you said, I'm not a poet. I can't do this. One of the things that Florence did is she was, uh, she, you know, went and, uh, and received uh, different grants. She wrote and then received different grants and went around and taught kids how to, how to write poetry for years and years and years. And I love that age and that time of life where we're not judged by everybody else and told that we're not poets and we're not artists and we're not musicians and we're not this and we're not that. And that beautiful time where you just say, just write, just write, just let it out and let that happen. And so thank you for that. Another great thing that you've done with your life. So, I, I mean, it doesn't get better than that. Like, <laughs> I mean, Vonnegut said something to the, and again, I'm totally paraphrasing. I do not yeah. remember the quote, but he's like, it doesn't matter if it's any good. Do the work. If there's yes. something you want to do, yes. do it. For and, yourself. For yourself, if no, nobody else, for yourself. And maybe you'll let get, it out. Maybe you'll get good at it, but it doesn't matter. That's not the point of doing the work. The point of doing the work is doing the work. The process is the result. It's, ah, oh, well... Thank you, Florence. I really thought I was going to get through this one without crying today, but I, apparently I'm too broken, and I, that did not happen. Um, you've done that. How long ago did The Mercy of Stone come out? Um, just in August. Okay. I mean, so recently. Yeah. All right, good. There are so many good poems in there. I wish we could spend all day. I really wanted you to read Sisters, which I absolutely love. Uh <gasps> You have a poem in here called Sheila Nagig, like the PJ Harvey song? I don't know that song. Yeah, that's from Ireland. Yeah, and Sisters, sisters is from Ireland is, as well. It's about what? the three sisters. Oh, the three sisters. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so, well, well I, I should have asked you. I, I guess our only obligation then is to make sure that Florence comes back and joins us again. At yeah, some you'll point. have to come back sometime. Would you do that? I would. I've, we, I, we don't have poets on this show. I would yeah, love we, to hear more you of your to, poetry. You need to come back for sure. Because we had to get, we had to go through all the past stuff. Next time we can read even more poetry. We had to get to know you a little bit too on this one. So, and I'll work on my poetry between now and then, and then we'll do like a slam poet thing, like almost a rap battle. What do you think? <laughs> well, I do think that you should bring poems if, if you want me to come back. You write a poem. Ooh. I'm sorry. Did somebody just throw the gauntlet down? I think Is she that just, just she just said, "Hey, look, I'm I not see. coming back unless." I, I would do that, even though I would be incredibly. Uh, I would judge myself crazily with How that, do we feel about quatrains or limericks or haiku? Is that not poetry? <laughs> That's poetry. Okay. All right. Yeah. Because I, I, I kind of fancy myself a 575 guy. I like haiku <laughs> quite a bit. But you have to observe the traditional Japanese rule that the final line contains a season in it. And that and that's that's the look. I didn't make the rules right. Haiku predates <laughs> me by some margin, but I, I I okay. All right, haiku battle. It is you're you're on, Daisy. Okay, <laughs> I'm ready. I am ready, Florence. We do have to say goodbye. Uh, but before we do, I want to thank Sean for introducing you to me. It's been lovely to hang out with you. It's been fun to read this, and I look forward to going home with your book, The Mercy of Stone, which is available. Where did you say again? At MidwestVillagesAndVoices.com. The website is MidwestVillages.com. Okay, very good. Mm -hmm. and you can then, also go to FlorenceStacy.com if you want to see her upcoming readings, and you can get the book through there as well, right? A yes, link to I, that. I can, you can, yeah, there's a link, and I can sign one and send it to you, too. All right, well, before we say our final goodbyes, I do want to thank Smart Start MN. I would like to thank Scott McKay, our mortgage guy. Mm -hmm. uh, I would also like to thank you, Sean Bernard. Thank you. This has been wonderful. Yeah, what a, it's fun. What a treat to have a dear friend here and, and somebody who's so... And a show Amazingly where we both talented. cried. 
damn poets, man. I have, I have succeeded. Poets get <laughs> exactly. in your brain, man. They get in your bones. Uh, anyway, also thanks to Audio Equip. Without them, we don't have all this beautiful state-of-the-art equipment that we have in the modest but lovely Smart Start MN yeah, Studio. This was all donated, Florence. How about that? Yeah, isn't that nice? Oh, fabulous. Yeah. Yeah, people sometimes, you know, you talk about the human condition, right? And we do treat each other awfully in a great number of situations. Which may be much like winter compared to spring is why when people are kind and when people show their generosity, it's so amazing and sparkling, right? I mean, it's mm-hmm. the it's the whole bit. Uh, anyway, thanks to all those people and thanks to all of our Patreon members. Thanks to everybody who's better. You know, on-air production meeting. Yes. The next time we do a Patreon event, what if we had Orange Boy come by and read some Poems. That would be wonderful. Just a thought. Yeah. I, I'm just. I'm, yeah, I'm, you could you could read some poetry before we have a band play. Wouldn't wouldn't that be lovely? Sure. Or maybe we can actually get Florence and or Florence. We can get uh, Faye and Ezra to leave the Greater Northfield area and visit and come to a show. Yeah. That's her daughter and son-in-law. Ah, very yeah. good. I got you. I got you. Uh, all right. Well, so before we say goodbye. Um, I guess we've taken care of all the business. Yeah, we so, have one um, final song. Yeah, and was I your wa- first book the swoon? Yeah. Okay. I think it was. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this is a band that my sons were in, and oh, I brought you know I. You got the bio there. Got the well, info. Well, in case you were going to ask me about this song, whose hands are these? I I have what Dan wrote about it. Oh, yeah. Re- feel free to read it, and we'll By go right means. into the song, yeah. and we'll say thank you so much for coming. Love you both. Thank you very much. Yep, and go you. ahead and read that, and we'll go right into it. According to Dan Lancaster, writer and lead singer for The Swoon, this song, quote, puzzles over the contradiction between substance and spirit, between a materialist, reductionist worldview, and the ineffable transcendent spirituality leaking through consciousness and self-awareness. You know the type of stuff kids are always crooning about. Till I have seen the glory lights oh.